1: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Light. What I will
2: say about Julian Edelman is that I appreciate his competitive greatness. Being at your best when your best is required. Being second in postseason receptions actually matters. Having a Super Bowl MVP matters. But key to your earlier comparison with Hines Ward, I mean, if Heinz Ward, with what he accomplished throughout his career, can't be a finalist on the Hall of Fame ballot, then we for damn sure can't consider Julian Edelman. Like, I think Edelman will be one of those players that the Patriots fit for one of those red jackets to go in their ring of honor, but he's not getting fitted for a gold jacket anytime soon. That's not happening.
0: I don't know who that is. I think you might have hinted, gave me a hint earlier. You say like, Chris Canty? That's it, yep. Did Canty play... What did Chris Canty play? I'm thinking of Conti's. How do you spell Canty? C A N T Y? Wasn't he from Washington? Giants. Giants.
3: Who was the. And. No, Giants. Wasn't there like a
2: tight end from Washington that was like Canty or Conti?
0: Uh, I think it was a tight end. I think that was Conti. Conti, yeah, the guy that used to work the short shorts in practice that he was known for. Yeah,
2: because yeah. you talked about him before. We had a conversation about him way back in the day.
0: I don't know. All hey, the, Julian Edelman is a really cool story. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's is he like... Is Cooley?
3: Cooley? Oh, you're oh, thinking
0: Cooley. 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 there it is. Thanks, Coos. There Seriously? was a Conti, too, though. Was there? Well, the, I'm sure <laughs> there has to be one. <laughs> you history. sure?
2: Yeah, I'm sure there is.
0: Yeah. Uh, Julian I'm Edelman, sure. uh, I think, is a cool story. Mm-hmm. I would agree with the sentiment there that it, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I mean, how how much stake do you put in the Super Bowls, Brent? It's a great part of the and question. I was just it, talking to my buddy today, to. and I, I've been very consistent with this in the past, and I'm going to tell you, it comes from a biased nature. Mm-hmm. I've always been honest with this. I think right now if you asked people to redraft quarterbacks over the years, mm-hmm. I think Dan Marino would be super high on their list. But I think when we have conversations of like great quarterbacks, I don't think Stan Marino is super high on people's list. And the reason is because he didn't win Super Bowls. And he wasn't like this great postseason player. We value the postseason so much. Well, I was a big Marino fan growing up, and I'm like, this guy throws the ball better than any of y'all, but he's just not winning Super Bowls because he didn't have a team around him, doesn't have enough running game, or didn't have a defense or whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but he's great. He's unbelievable. Guy could sling it better than maybe anybody who's ever done it. And uh, so I always come from that bias that I didn't put as much on you're great because of the postseason. Now, I understand tiebreakers wise, Super Bowls and postseason can be an excellent judge, right? It's a great tiebreaker situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I understand that, hey, Brady's a GOAT because of all his success in Super Bowls and what he's done to lead his team there in regular seasons to lead his team there Mm -hmm. and his success in the postseason. So. I'm not devaluing it. I just think some people super value the postseason, and I don't do that. And, again, it comes from a little bit of a position of bias as I grew up rooting for Dan Marino. (laughs) Um, So I I think we do put too much stock in postseason. I don't think we would even raise this question about Edelman if he didn't have these runs with the Patriots.
2: No, it's, it's it's definitely about the postseason. And, like, I'll be honest with you, I'm not I'm not sure if he should be eligible or not. I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it because, to me, the postseason means something. Because when we go back – and because what is the Hall of Fame for, Brent? We talk about it all the time. It's about telling the story. It's about showcasing something. Right now, obviously, stats and all this stuff have something to do with it. But when we look back on the New England Patriots, what do we call them? One of the greatest dynasties of all time. Absolutely. Okay? If we look back on those Patriot teams – how many Hall of Famers do you think they have on that team? Uh, on every single team, year in and year out. And honestly, I, I have no idea.
0: I mean, you have obviously Brady. There's a lot of talk of Richard Seymour. Seymour belongs in. Yeah. Um, I mean, Randy Moss played on the one, but right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, who are we missing? Um, we're missing Ty-Law. Ty Law. Ty Law. Yep. Yeah. Uh, good call. Are we missing an offensive lineman along uh, the way.
2: Junior Seau.
0: we've Gronk. A, yeah.
2: Gronk, but and Seau wasn't a primarily Patriot, but you know, I think he
0: yeah. was on the right. So for a I mean, bit. there are some. Teddy Teddy Bruski? I don't, part part Bruschi, I don't oh, think. I don't think I would be considered okay. it, as for the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um So your point I get your point well, here. It's like the, was, it's like the Steelers, right? Let, that Steelers dynasty sent everybody to the Hall of Fame, it, it felt like.
2: Yeah. Uh, and let me go ahead and finish up my point then. So that's that's what I'm saying. When you have Arguably, you know, one of the greatest dynasty in any sport. And one of the key cogs of that was Julian Edelman. I mean, if you do take the postseason into play, then it's hard not to vote him in the Hall of Fame. Now, once again, I'm not a voter. I don't know how people think. But if you just want to go off of stats and things like that, well, then, yeah, probably not going to make it in. But if you take the postseason into account and you tell the the story of the New England Patriots, well, maybe Edelman's in
0: there. I don't know, yeah, I don't okay. think so. I don't even think it's close. i'm gonna give you two stats okay here's uh eight hundred and sixty receptions twelve thousand two hundred and eighty seven yards okay, so eight hundred and sixty twelve thousand uh touchdowns where are you touchdowns where did you go touchdowns uh oh, sixty seven touchdowns all right so that's one set of stats. I'm not going to go crazy with them. Okay. Uh, the next set of stats I'll give you is 620. So you had 866-20. You had 12,000-something yards and 6,800 yards. You have 36 touchdowns and 67 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Julian Edelman ain't even close to a Hall of Famer. Okay. Because example B was Jimmy Smith. And he can't even get on the finalist ballot. Sure. All
2: no. right? And, and, I mean, when, when, Brent, so, once again. Again, I don't. If you can't put that much weight on the postseason. Okay. I, once again, I, I'll repeat myself. If we're going off of stats alone, then absolutely not. Julian Edelman will not get in. Because like you just said, the, the whole Jimmy Smith standpoint. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. And it, this isn't my vote to get Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. Because I, honestly, I could carry the last. Well, either way, honestly. But if you go off of the importance of him in the postseason to the Patriots, then I think there's an argument there. Now, I don't know how much weight that carries. I, if it's me, I'm voting based off stats alone. Because I can say, well, yeah, Tom Brady. You, you're the, you're the, the greatest quarterback of all time. How'd you do last year with Cam Newton? Yeah. Okay. That's what I would bring up. But – if you want to tell this story, and it's about going back in history, you talk about the, one of the greatest dynasties of all time, well, then Julian Edelman was a part of that. I think he was a Super Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken, for, for a year.
0: I also think people think that he is uh, Amendola. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> like, well, it's not the Chris combined Hogan career of Amendola.
2: <laughs> if you combine Chris Hogan, <laughs> Danny Amendola, Danny Woodhead, and Julian Edelman, I mean, you want to talk about possibly
0: one of the greatest football players of all time. At least from a fantasy perspective. Now I will say this. Edelman to me, listen, like I got a little guy that plays ball. Sure. Edelman's a great story. I mean, and you read the tweets about him and the stories about him. I mean, the epitome of making the most out of your talent. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I think that's the purpose of of kind of who we are. Mm-hmm. If you play a sport, if you're if you're in your profession, maximize your talent. You want people to put you in position to maximize your talent, but then maximize – your job is to maximize your talent. If you're a good accountant, if you're a good salesperson, you're a good radio host, you're a good football player, baseball player, whatever, whatever you got, maximize yeah. it. There might not be um, – there's a lot of stories like it, but there's, there might not be a better illustration of it yeah. than Julian Edelman. I mean, really pretty cool in that context. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of Edelman in, in that respect. I mean, got so much out of his career and was very valuable to the New England Patriots in their run. But Let me ask you it this. stops there. It does not. I mean, it just there's a cutoff point, and, and okay. it certainly isn't going to Canton, Ohio. Let me ask you this. Robert Ory, does he deserve to be in the NBA Hall of Fame? No.
2: Okay, then. Then Joe Edelman's not going to go. Simple as that.
0: Okay. Enough said. Is there ever a play for, Hor- for Ori to be a play? You know how many game winners he no, had? No, no. I'm saying is there a play uh, from a um, – is there a narrative for Ori to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame? Uh, winning the championship seven times is something. No, I know. I'm saying is there Wait. a push for him? Like oh, is, is there oh, a no, wave no, of, no. of I, people I, saying, I, hey, I he should think, be in? I have no idea. But I, you're right. I, I, I mean championships in, and big yeah, shots, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big yeah, shot Ori, right? Yeah, yeah. But I just don't – I think that that's a good illustration. Yeah, there then, are people that play well in the postseason, mm-hmm. but that don't necessarily just listen. They'll go down in the history and the annals of the team and, and the sport in a lot of cool, different and that's ways what and memories Uri is to me, but he, just not of Boston, Canton, Ohio.
2: Sure, I mean, and then that's fine. Then I think we answered the question. I think if Robert Ory can't get in, then Julian Edelman can't get in. It's a different sport and everything, different circumstances. But I think there's some compare com- comparable narratives
0: there. What do you think about uh, the Denver Broncos? seattle seahawks now saying hey we're not going to be a part of this spring stuff these voluntary otas we're not doing it they yeah. as a team through the kind of like through the nflpa issued a statement say we're not going to do it could we see that in jacksonville well, let me ask you this though as a team the
2: players or the coaches as well like do, 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 uh, the coaches in on this
0: uh, i got it from the
2: nflpa sure so, so the, that's the, so players. the coaches are not in on no this. <laughs> the coaches yeah. are not in on this. yeah um what do i think about it I think this is, uh, another example of the modern era NFL athlete using their leverage as they can and then, and then their their power, their star power to get out of OTAs and training camp. That's, that's what it is. Now, now, once again, I mean, you can make arguments and say, okay, if you want to have a 17 game season, um, and player safety is the, the top priority, okay, well, what are you doing for the players? Right? This could be a counterbalance to say, well, let's cancel OTAs then
0: if you have a 17 game season. So, um, it, it can go back and forth, don't get me wrong. But that's what this is. This is not surprising to me at all. Uh, it's, it's an interesting context that it came out as a group. So the NFLPA issues this statement on behalf of the Broncos players. Okay. Sure. So this wasn't like J.C. Tredery. I mean, I guess in, in a way, it's kind of J.C. Tredery. He's the president of the players union. But this wasn't like Von Miller. Yeah. said, hey, on behalf of everybody else, this is what we think. This was the Players Union that said it uh, in a statement. It says, playing in the NFL, a dream of our players who work tirelessly year-round to perform in America's greatest game, with off-season programs starting in less than a week, without adequate protocols in place in order for us players to return safely. We will be exercising our right to not participate in voluntary off-season workouts. COVID-19 remains a serious threat to our families, to our communities. makes no sense for us players to put ourselves at risk during this dead period. Positivity rates in our city are higher than they were at this time last year, and we know players have been infected at club facilities in recent weeks despite having a completely virtual off season last year the quality of play across the nfl was better than ever by almost every measure we hope players across the nfl work with our union as we did to get all the facts so every player can make an informed decision we're trying to uh, be alive, brent and and i just think that's the way it's going to go like yeah i that doesn't surprise me and the the thing here is okay I I think this is falling a little bit under. Let's use this as a little bit of a buffer here. Of course. It's a a convenient reason why. Yep. But I think if you take the facts of it, and listen, I've been a big proponent of the players on this for a long time. I think the off-season workout stuff is a little bit of a a hoax. All right? I mean, I think there's some value in it. Here's Brent taking the player side as usual. I I don't usually (laughs) always do this. That was a joke, yes. I I think it's a it's fabricated at how important it is yeah yeah at how long it is i think if it was shrunk down i think more players would be willing to do it yeah but when you're talking april may and part of june and then you shrink into like a month before the the long season starts that's that's not friendly to the player to the family to to this violent game there is and i just don't know the payoff you're getting for two and a half months Doing that. And what we learned last year is Brent wasn't that wrong. <laughs> and the players are not that wrong. Because yes. I agree, the quality of play was good. We didn't even notice a difference.
2: Brent, what we're, 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 were the injuries? What about was the defenses? Up? Brent, we were talking about the defenses were inadequate for the first. Three quarters of the
0: year. And don't say we weren't well, talking the about the first that. three quarters. The half. More for, it was the half. It was a little more than
3: a half. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again,
0: I, I wondered if defense mattered or anything. Yes. But yeah. are you telling me of of all things you think the defense gets ahead no, during this time, no, I would think look, the offense gets ahead during this time.
2: No, and you're absolutely right. Listen, this is just me being bitter because I had to do Oklahoma Joe for two straight <laughs> years. Okay? And, and real two-a-days. That's just the bitterness coming out of me a little bit. No, I I I agree with you. I think that so much gets put on with the spring. And what I always say, like I say, yeah, it, it is a little mundane and it is a little overblown, but it's good for the rookies. Like if you want to integrate the rookies into your system, then more power to you. But to have, you know, 100% participation, we haven't heard that phrase in a while. To have 100% participation, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, to have 100% participation in the springtime for like four or five straight weeks, you can, you know, essentially just run guys because you have them close by you. No, that's that's overblown. That's overdrawn. That's unnecessary.
0: Do you think the Jags players and other players around the league are going to fall in line with this? The Broncos kind of started it. I guess Seattle has come out and done the same. Are we going to see? Now, where does this fall? This is interesting in Jacksonville. You know, Urban Meyer and Jacksonville are supposed to get a bit of a head start April 5th. They didn't. Yeah. Things have been pushed back. April 19th is now the day. Uh, and see, Denver this is- would have fallen in the same boat, right, because they have a new coach, too? Or did, no, Benio's no, still, still there. Benio's still there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. but see, players going to feel like pressured now to say, okay, they're doing it. We got to do it too. We got to stick together as the NFLPA.
2: This is a this could be a slippery slope because when the NFLPA comes out and says oh, these two teams, obviously there'd be some kind of vote in the locker room, right? Like there, there, there'd be some kind of discussion, I would think uh, so, or yeah. some kind of I guess group text. It would be whatever the case may be, and I'm sure they voted on it. I wonder if you come to Jackson, what the theory – because let's be honest. You have a first-year coach, and I think Urban Meyer, if anything, has been preaching, hey, we need everybody here. No, he's not saying 100% participation. He's not saying that. But I think he's saying anything close to that um, to get everybody on the off on the right he foot. He hasn't even had
0: a team meeting. I mean, Urban I know, wants but, to see his team, exactly. makes his team. Like, I get that. Yeah.
2: like listen. I don't know. Matt, but there's the other part, though. So are you loyal to Urban Meyer and the coaches going forward? Or are you loyal to the, the sum of the parts in the players'
0: union, right? Because I feel like every team's got to get on board with this. Yeah, I think it's a tricky situation here That's in what I'm Jacksonville. Saying. Yeah, I think it's a tricky situation here in Jacksonville and in other, especially new coach places. Yeah. Like, I think veteran teams... Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, they probably get it. That was a little bit interesting. I mean, they're not even very good. Kansas yeah. City, sure, you could do that. Tampa Bay, yeah, you can do that. Indianapolis, you might even be able to do that. There's a a lot but of I think there I are some that. teams that can't. It doesn't feel like they can do that. There's too much going on. Like, I would feel if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar player, I got a chance to get better during the stretch. I would feel that. But do I need two and a half months to get better mm. on the overall part of this that, that is always the off season is what I would argue against if I was a player. Just get me in there for a month even, mm-hmm. a little bit of conditioning, a little bit of install, a little bit of meetings. Get me a, you know, get used to this. But do we need to do that from April 5th to the middle of June? Yeah. And, and that's what play, players are arguing a bigger thing right here. They They're are. using a convenient method of doing it right now. There's got to be some kind of common ground, though.
2: Right? Like, m- meet them halfway. That's business. To say, we're not going to do anything. Ah, that's a little aggressive. And once again, I can't reiterate this enough because... I've been in those locker rooms. I've sat through those, you know, the, the lockout meetings of what we're all going to do with the CBA. Like, there there will be a pressure by every other team now, whether it's by the NFLPA or the NFLPA representatives,
0: to sit out as well, to all be unified. Because if you're not unified, Absolutely. you know what happens? You look weak. You do. Right? I think there's a lot at of the, pressure on other teams right now. But players. At the
2: same time, though, once again, what is the goal here, Brent? We're trying to win a championship. That's what every team's trying to do. And you get the feeling, especially with Urban Meyer in his first year, where if you sit this out and you, you don't get the coaching, you don't get the atmosphere of what Urban Meyer is trying to bring the table right away, that can put you behind the eight ball. So now you're not going to win a champion. I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's back
0: and forth, man. I wish I had the right answer. I really don't Listen, if I was a player and I've been off since December, my season ended, yeah. and, and I've got a new coach and I've got all this new stuff and maybe new things down at the facility, I kind of want to go. Yeah, I just sure. don't know if I want to go for two and a half months and then have go, three weeks no. off before the season starts.
2: You don't want to go for two and a half months, that's for sure. But you still want to go. But once again, like I said, you got to be loyal to your to, to your brothers, yeah,
0: to, to the union. It's gonna be an interesting deal and here in Jacksonville, a very interesting one. Let's see what unfolds as yeah. Seattle and Denver says, well, hey, we're not going to do it.
2: And I can't stress They are this. voluntary.
0: I know, but I can't stress this enough,
2: though. People got to get on the same page here. I'm talking to the players' union. Okay, you know how I felt about the CBA that went through. I felt you got shortchanged a little bit. Why? Because not everybody was on the same page. No, in okay? fact, it was very divided. Yeah. Exactly. This could be another example of players not being on the same page. I hope
0: this works out for everybody. Everybody benefits from it.
2: But let's go, guys. Same page, please.
0: It's time for our Florida Sportsman Fishing Report with Rick Riles. Another beautiful day in and around Northeast Florida. Hope it was that way on the water as well. What's up, Rick? it right, sure was, Brent. It's just like I told
1: you, I've ordered this weather now for the next uh oh ninety days or so. So I I think we're gonna be I think we're gonna be fine. It's not gonna get any hotter and it's not gonna get any cooler, it's gonna be just like it is. And I I think we'd all for that I tell you what, the captains of the two ends, the one in sign off for fishing just like today. They both had tuna, they both had Mahi and they both had Wahoo. Uh the best best numbers were in the tuna. But they did catch all three species and, and much better trolling than what we've seen for the last few weeks. I tell you what, we had pretty calm ocean today, and I think we're going to be able to eke one more day out of that before the wind picks up a little bit. I know the inshore guys are certainly loving it. I just talked with Captain David Boris. He fished the Falling Tide this afternoon. Now, the guys that went out this morning didn't do real well on the redfish. There is a Palua worm hatch. I bet you didn't even know we were having a Palua worm hatch, did you, Brent? One I night. did not. I, I missed that one. See, you can't miss a Palua worm hatch, boys. <laughs> and, and and the redfish are eating the Palua worms uh, by the gobs, and it has slowed down their bite a little bit. But David did manage a limit for his uh, guys this afternoon's Overall, very very good. One more day, and then we're going to see a little bit of a change. It's just that time of year. We'll see how it works out. I'll be back tomorrow with another fishing report. Brought to you by Warman Quick Fix Plumbing.
0: Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Have a great uh, night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Each and every day, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety five fifteen seven a.m. on Saturdays. Uh with Rick Ryles. I mean, dang, casting Rick, I
2: had so many questions about the Palua Worms. Like, can you buy those in bait stores? You know, like, do do they sell them like as live bait or are they just like a special thing where they come for I know a I was thinking too, but it
0: sounded like his connection was a little iffy, so I don't want to go <laughs> I didn't know if he'd be able to hear us. But Palua worm Palua hatch. Worms you hatch. know what I think? I'm gonna vote. We have a national holiday for everything. Yeah. I say we kick the groundhog to the curb and we have Palua worm hatch day. <laughs> Palua worm hatch day? <laughs> Should
2: we, uh, screw reach out to our, we reach out to our sources in the Jacksonville uh, soil, soil and Water? Maybe yeah. they can kind <laughs> yeah. of uh, talk about something. John Barnes, yeah. chime
0: John Barnes, what's up, man? <laughs> I see you. Uh, there we go. Hey, uh, Moe's is our restaurant of the day, Moe's Southwest Grill. Check it out. Breakfast now at Moe's in St. Augustine, oh, the only one in the country. You can get Moe's breakfast, starts at 6 a.m., get through the drive through breakfast, burritos, tacos, bowls, oatmeal, so much more freshly made to order down there at the St. Augustine location. Welcome to Moe's for breakfast. Go check it out. Moe's, our restaurant of the day here at Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six. 90. I'm checking out. Why aren't people watching more sports? Also, Steph Curry passes Wilt Chamberlain. Injuries in the NBA. And Evander Holyfield, 58, and he still wants to fight. Come on, go to a bar. We'll be back. <laughs> Action sports, Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martino. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I
2: don't, I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've been
1: more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Don't worry
0: about mock drafts when you're ranking players. You don't really care where they're going to go. I've had first rounders that went in the third round. I've had third rounders, great guys great at third, fourth rounds, go in the late first, early second. So you don't let a mock draft impact your ratings at all. And so it Justin Fields have been steady, consistent with him all year. He's my number two highest rated quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. Others disagree strongly with that, and a lot of them have him as the fourth or fifth quarterback. So that's why I went with the consensus key on that in terms of the mock draft. Dropped him down to ten, have New England trading up to get him. But, hey, there's Denver sitting there. You have Washington. You have Chicago. There's going to be a lot of activity. I can't put four teams trading up for one guy, so I picked one that made sense, and that was New England in that case.
2: ESPN's Mel Kuyper. Man, we got to have that guy on, Coos. That's one dude that, in terms of using the ESPN 690 brand, I hope we can get on one day. I get what Mel Kuyper's saying. You can't go strictly off the mock drafts, but at the same time, and all you small school guys out there can attest to this like I was coming up out of Murray State, uh, mock drafts is all we had to go by because you got to remember my situation from Murray State. You know, I essentially had two really good years, my junior and senior year, where I put myself on the map in order to get drafted. But even then, whether it was, you know, agents, draft experts, I was hearing second round to sixth round. So, like, that's a pretty big gap, and that's a pretty big pay gap of where I was going to go. I literally had no idea. And what I would do is I'd look at mock drafts. From random teams, like obviously the the BigBlue.com, which I mentioned before a little bit, and they called me, you know, said Tarzan, or it looks like Tarzan, plays like Jay. No, I did look like Tarzan, because I still had my beard and everything. I had my dreads. Looked like Tarzan. 278 pounds. I was an obese Tarzan. I was, a, I was like a 20 on the BMI index Tarzan, but I was still trying to bring it, per se. But the mock drafts, man, that's all I had, because I had no idea where I was going to fall to. And long story short, fell to the fifth round, fell to Jacksonville. But that's not a bad thing because I'm here talking to you all today. I think we got Steven on the phone. So we got talking to people. I think we got Steven on the line. He's got a question. Uh, Steven, it's just me right now flying by the seat of my pants. My co-host Brent Martineau on his way to a baseball game. But, Steven, how are we doing today, man? Happy Tuesday.
4: Oh, you know it, man. How are you doing? I'm living,
2: dude. I'm living like I always do.
4: All right, before I ask my question, have you yet to check out that anime show I told you about, Fire Force?
2: I still have not yet to see Fire Force right now. Unfortunately, I got sidetracked with Attack on Titan, um, and then I got sidetracked a little bit with Assassination Classroom. It's still on my list. I only have so many hours in the day, man, but I'm going to get to it eventually. I promise you that.
4: Oh, oh yeah, they just brought in the second season, so you need to see it. Okay, sounds like a plan. I like it. All right, but anyways, my question – when you guys discussed earlier with uh, the 25th pick, I agree to disagree. I mean, sure, we need to go need Trevon sure. Uh I agree with that wholeheartedly because all we have as a backup is Andrew Wynard. And every time he was in, let's face it, he got picked on a lot. He did.
2: He did. Uh,
4: and Jared Wilson got beat up last year a lot. So I would definitely go him. now, do I like Zayven Collins? Yes, I do. Guy's a freak Ashley. Greek athlete, when I look at him, I see, and uh, tell me if you disagree a little bit, I see Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher mixed together.
2: And, and you're not wrong. And even, like, I would say, even with all the respect to Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher, even a more athletic version of those two guys, because this guy can actually get after it and then the pass rush game a little bit too. I think he's that fluid of an athlete. So go ahead. Yes.
4: Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind getting him, but I know what you said earlier. He plays Miles Jack's position. Yeah. Now, with Joe Cohen saying, hey, it's not a traditional 3-4, it's not a 4-3, it's a hybrid, could you consider, hey, putting Zavin, for instance, as an example, as your weak side inside linebacker and pushing Miles Jack to the outside where he would actually like to be?
2: It's a good point, Steve. Thanks sure for that question, man. Let's get into it. Every time we can talk defense, you know I'm all about that. You know, it's interesting because we haven't really alluded to this a lot yet. And we're going to talk about this earlier on the show today. We just forgot about it. Joe Collins' defense. Now, if I look it up real quick, because Joe Collins had an interesting quote of what he was gonna say, and I, I don't want to mess it up, and I don't have to do gas balls the next time I see him and, and make him upset. Because since I'm covering the dude now, I like to get off to the right foot with what Joe Collins bringing to the table in terms of, of defensive coordinator. So I can get all the exclusive stuff. Um, and this is, you know, this is everywhere. But I'm looking at John Osher uh, provides some information saying, and this is a quote by Joe Collins. It's a hybrid when pertaining to the defense. It's a 3-4 base, but we're going to end up doing a lot of 4-3 looks, and basically you kind of suit it to your personnel. Now, we have a feel what we're going to do, but it will be based on what we do and what our personnel can do. The best way to describe it is we're going to be an attacking defense that will have multiple looks of a 3-4 four, and 4-3. Four, now, there's a lot to break down, but there's really not a lot to break down, right, because this is coach speak once again. But I do like the fact that he said he's going to tailor to the defense because what do I say all the time on this show? What separates you from an okay coach to maybe a good coach to a legendary Hall of Fame coach is Hall of Fame coaches can evolve their defense to what they have at their disposal. Okay coaches take their defense and make their players play it. That's the difference. No ands, ifs, buts about it. And I like what Joe Cohen said there where he's going to evolve the defense to what he has. So, Stephen, to get back to your question, when Joe Cullen has a quote like that, though, I'm going to be honest. And with, with all due respect to Xavier and Collins, because the, the, the this, hey, looks like Tarzan, plays like Tarzan, might be Tarzan in all the best ways possible. This guy's a stud. He's a freaking nature. Definitely a first round pick. Could be the next great middle linebacker in the entire NFL. Not even exaggerating that. I think he, he, he could be that great of a player. But when we talk about a defense right now that has a guy like Joe Schobert, and I'm not like the biggest Joe Schobert, like, you know, bandwagoner. Like I always, I get, I always tout him and I'm always hyping him up, everything like that. But I, we look at Joe Schobert in a traditional three, four defense. You see a guy who's undersized. Okay. Um, you know, I remember playing like Derek Johnson. I remember playing, you know, like Lance Briggs more of an outside guy, but like there's a certain type that you look for in a three, four inside linebacker and Schobert's smaller than that. Okay. But what did Joe Collins just tell us? That he's going to mold that defense around him. So, uh, around players like him, I mean, for as much money as you're paying him. Now, either you trade Joe Schulbert or you just cut him off the books. That could be a possibility as well. But I think with Xavier Collins, you're not going to bench Miles Jack. Just not going to happen. Former captain, one of the best players in that defense, he's got a starting spot regardless. And my gut tells me that Joe Shorbert has his starting spot as well. And when Joe Collin even said himself, it's going to be a 3-4 base defense. Now, yeah, what, 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 did he, what did he say in the conversation? He said, it's going to be a lot of looks, a lot of 3-4, a lot of 4-3. But he started off by saying the most important thing. It's going to be a 3-4 base defense. Every team in the NFL runs variations. They run wrinkles. They run hybrids. All this stuff. But when you ask a defensive coordinator, what is your base defense? That tells you all you need to know about what they're running because that's who they are. The base defense is the identity. It's what you go through the most uh, in training camp. It's what you practice on the very first day. You walk through that building. You walk through those doors. You sit down on that meeting, and Joe Collins fired up ready to go. Let's go over this base defense first. So that's who they are. So when Joe Collins says it's going to be a 3-4 base defense, they're a 3-4 defense. And when we talk about a guy like Xavier Collins, who more than likely will be that middle linebacker, well, there's not so many places he can go, Steven. He's either taking Joe Schobert's spot or Miles Jack's spot. And he's not taking Miles Jack's spot, so he'd be taking Joe Schobert's spot, a guy who you're paying a lot of money right now who's on the books. So I get what you're saying um i'll I'll be honest i'm gonna be very envious if he goes someplace else and has you know a a hall of fame career or just even a an, an all pro type of career i'll be envious but i think that when you break this draft down right now especially in that you know that second first round pick uh and higher up in that second round as well i think when you break it down yes you you take the best player available if you truly want to but you also have to address needs and when I see needs on this defense right now, regardless if it's going to be a 3-4 base defense, a hybrid, middle linebacker's not one of them quite yet. To me, that middle linebacker pick would be a luxury right now. To me, safety, interior defensive line, and if you want to throw a corner later on, the more the merrier. I think right now you're set inside linebacker. Oh, and by the way, edge as well. Obviously pass rusher as well, which Xavion Collins could do, but I think it's going to be more of a middle linebacker. That's what you got right now. Time will tell. We'll see what happens. You know how I feel about this defense, right? You, you, you can always add. You can always upgrade. And I think I've been talking about a defense of last year. who was one of the worst in the NFL, and I get it. They have all these free agents coming in, but you need more. You need more in the, in the youth department, and you need more in the depth department. So that's where the draft comes in. We got one more segment coming back here on ESPN 690. Stay tuned. you know, it'll be great, uh, you know, back uh, the last time I you know, won it, you know, shot, he was uh, extremely dominant, uh, and I feel like uh, that's what I've been all season, dominant, uh, just impossible to go, he's uh, either, you know, get to the free throw line or, you know, scoring, uh, uh, going through it, do uh, anything, so he'll uh, be, you will be great, you uh, you know, obviously, uh, that's something that I want very much. Uh, but then again, you know, I'm trying to win a championship. Uh, so, you know, we just got to get take one game at a time, uh, you know, get every single win uh, that we can, uh, get to the playoffs, Hockey, and, you know, try to win the whole thing. Man. I got nothing, Kuz. Who's that?
3: Is that uh, Embiid? Uh, yes. Oh! oh. Yeah. I was going to say oh. the, the Zoom call quality kind of
2: messed it it's up. It's okay though, Coos, because you know why? I'm just too good sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you just stick with it, man. And I don't mean with the COVID. I mean just with <laughs> skills. Stick <laughs> with it. And, and hey, what a what a good tribute to send you on your way to your wedding. Your last segment for a little bit here yeah. on the show. A little Joel Embiid and a little bit of me. I mean, can I talk about myself anymore? I can, really cannot. A little bit about me getting Joel Embiid right. Um, how are the Sixers looking right now?
3: They're good. They're good. They're doing well. I mean, the Nets, uh, I last I checked, which I, I had have, there's been a few games, yeah. but the Nets had passed them in the standings. Okay. Uh, but the 76ers were second in the in the East. Yeah. Uh, Joel Embiid's back. He was out for about 10 days. Yeah. And so that question came up asking if he wanted to be, you know, the MVP this year and if he thinks he should get it. Yeah. Uh, because him and, and Jokic's numbers are very similar. Yeah. Jokic hasn't been injured, so he hasn't been out any days. Sure, and Embiid has. Where also, I believe, if you look at uh, assists, uh, Jokic is almost around eight or nine assists, where Embiid's more around like three or four. So,
2: well, now too, obviously with Jokic, uh, may have to take another step up now.
3: Jamal Murray. because Jamal Murray tearing his ACL and out
2: for the season.
3: Brent and I were talking about that off the mic uh, sure. in a commercial break, where I was like, "Yeah, this is this. If if the Nuggets don't falter, if they just." continue to be dominant without Jamal Murray, which is a hard task. I mean he's a big part of that team. Yeah. Um but but the addition of Aaron Gordon is working out perfectly for them. So you would you would wonder if he can do that. And if he can, well then there's no way you can argue that he doesn't win M V P. But he's deserves it. But the the cool part of that and what I think people are going to start realizing is if either of these guys win, Jokic or Embiid, it'll be the first center to win M V P since Shaq. It's insane. Yeah.
2: That's hard to think about, man.
3: It's been a while. What You know,
2: and I guess the thing with Jokic is, and I'm not sure this is going to benefit Embiid in terms of MVP race or not. Like, usually when a big man loses, you know, like a star guard, like right. that hurts the big man as well, right? Because now it takes the tension um, off Murray, and a lot more focus is going to be on the Joker, obviously. But, like, with Jokic's game, though, you know, like he – yeah, I again, he's a center per se, but this guy's all over the court, you know. Like he—he's a fantastic passer. He can create his own shot. Like, do you think it's going to hurt his numbers or help his numbers um, going forward now with Murray out? I
3: would say, I. Th- I- I would imagine you would be able to make the argument that they can hone in on him a little bit more. But they do have like Aaron Gordon. There's going to be other players that you do definitely have to that you have. And they're still a quality team
2: still without Murray. And
3: and so, I mean, like you said, a lot of the Nuggets offense does go through Jokic. Mm -hmm. Um, He's up around uh, eight assists a game, like I was saying. So a lot of that won't change. But I think, you know, Murray being one of the leading scorers on the team as well is the part that's really going to hurt them. Yeah. And where they're going to find that extra production, well, you hope some of it can come from Jokic, but he's already playing such a high level. Can can or is that even possible?
2: Yep. You know, the, the Driving Dish podcast, nobody talks a bit about it better than Kuz, talking about the NBA. Steph Curry overtakes Wilt Chamberlain all time yeah. on career scoring for the Warriors. I feel like this is an obvious answer, but I want to get your take about it a little bit. And obviously, listen, w- Will Chamberlain is a good player in his own right, but he's a little, you know, uh, a little before our time, let's just say. Of course. But do you think, in terms of the Warriors' lore? it's Steph Curry as the king and everybody else? Or do you think there's an argument to say, ah, Wilt Chamberlain was a, was a great player in his own right, and he's the best Warriors guy of well, all time?
3: Well, I would say Wilt Chamberlain, obviously a great player in his own right. Yeah, But I think the way that Steph Curry has come in and, and essentially changed the game in terms of the three-point shot and how consistently he was knocking it down um, would for sure make Curry... The number one guy for them right now, I think, I and and you know his career is not even over, so mm. there's more to come. We'll see. Although there's some rumors about the Lakers, but we'll see where it goes. I think right now it, it, it's for sure Curry though, because of all the hype, and I think social media is a big part of that as well.
2: You're not wrong, and you know what's crazier? I'm looking at the amount of games each guy has played in his career so far to, to amount up to, you know, the the, the total number of points. And, and like, remember, like, we used to hear all the time about, you know, Wilt's great, like, point totals and all this stuff. So Wilt yeah. played in a 1,045 NBA games. So that's essentially 15 seasons in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry right now, what season are we on? We are on, well, essentially we're at 745 games. Yeah. Um and he's accumulated that many points already, which is and, now keep in mind that the the schedule like everything's different well, than what that, it was back then. And the three then, point
3: uh for for Curry is yeah. is and the way the game's played so much more, but it's I different. think another argument for Curry's side would be the fact that he stayed with the Warriors the whole time. Like that's not a very common thing that happens in basketball anymore. True. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, no, you have, even LeBron yeah. James, you know, who's the 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 biggest name in in basketball has been on three different teams now. It's a good point. So it, it's not very common for a player to stay in one spot. I
2: know we've teased this a little bit before. We've talked about it. If Curry leaves, does he hurt? Does he hurt their his reputation, or I, do people respect it? Because like. Yeah. Kevin Durant kind of got like the cupcake and the snake treatment.
3: I would Does be Stub willing to get that? I would be willing to bet my answer would depend on what team he goes to. If he goes to the Lakers and joins LeBron James, I think a people are a little more upset about it than sure. if he but, if, it, if he just ended up on another team but let's somewhere. let's
2: be honest, though, because like if, if he goes someplace, it's going to be a loaded team already. Of course. Like, th- there's yeah. no sense of Steph Curry going to, a, like, a brand new right. team that has to rebuild like the like like Bulls or but, somebody. No. You're but going, I think it would... It would you would as well would, stay then.
3: I think it would hurt less... If he, say, went to the Nuggets or went sure. to the Jazz, I think it would hurt more because he goes to LeBron James, the team that the Warriors ha- or the player, the team, the Warriors had always been going up against for those finals. I think that just makes it a little more salt in the
2: wound. I got you, man. Well, this is where we sign off, Kuz, for Brent Marno, for myself and for Justin Kuzar, who, hey, enjoy your little extended vacation, yeah. man. Yeah. Congratulations on that wedding. I will see you on the other side, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. But everybody else out there listening, I'll see you guys tomorrow. or I'll hear you guys tomorrow on ESPN 690. Have a good night. Stay casual.
0: We're out. Peace. Tax Day is coming. Oh, no.